This is Jeff Scandridge, and this is the Innovation Junkies Podcast. If you want to drastically improve your business, learn proven growth strategies, and generate sustained results for your organization, you've come to the right place. Over the next half hour, we're going to be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and tips that you can use to grow your business, no matter the size, no matter the industry, and no matter the geography. Weekly, we'll bring in a top mover and shaker, someone who's done something unbelievable with his or her business, and we'll dig deep. We'll uncover specific strategies, tactics, and tools that they've used to help you achieve your business goals. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, if you're looking to put your business on the fast track to achieving sustained strategic growth, this episode is sponsored by the team at Innovation Junkie. To learn more about our Growth DX, go to innovationjunkie.com backslash growth DX. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, Jeff Standards here and welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. How we doing, Jeff? Oh, doing great. Doing great. I can't hardly believe that we get paid to do this. Oh, that's right. We don't, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Yeah, when I say uh, uh, this is Jeff Standards and I say, how are you doing, Jeff? For someone who may be listening to us for the first time, I'm not talking to myself. Uh, you have the Jeffs, uh, Jeff Standards, Jeff Amarine, both of us here on the Innovation Junkies podcast. We come to you each week. Uh, episodes dropping on Monday, and we're glad you're with us today. Jeff, we've got a great uh, guest with us today who represents an organization that I've followed for a long, long time. We've got Tim Creasy, who's the Chief Innovation Officer at ProSci. Uh, that's a con contraction of professional and science. Uh, uh, they're a change management organization that helps organizations drive better adoption of their solutions, uh, help you grow your change management capability, tap into innovation, uh, and, and recognizing that innovation is really a driving force of change. As I said, Tim Creasy is the uh, Chief Innovation Officer. Tim, it is great to have you with us today. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Hey, Tim, before, before we get into the real serious and important stuff to talking about change and innovation, we know that you're sitting out there in Idaho and in some of God's country, not far from great places to ski. So we're going to kick this thing off by talking about what our favorite ski resorts are. What's yours? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm here in Boise, Idaho. There's a mountain called Brundage Mountain outside of McCall. Uh, got to ski it a lot this year because, uh, right, I used to be on the road all the time and then I got grounded. Uh, children were in virtual school, so we went up to the mountains for a bit. And uh, the nice thing about Idaho mountains, I had one afternoon uh, and I had one of these little apps that tracks your ski runs, right? Uh, and I did mm. 11 runs with 11 minutes of total wait time uh, in the lift wow. lines. So that's uh, skiing out. And I, the, now I'm probably going to get in trouble for telling people about it because Idaho is growing like crazy and they want to keep it a secret. So yeah. maybe we edit out the uh, actual state that we're in. But well, uh, Yeah, I just I just booked my flight. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hear about it from the folks here for sure. Yeah, but, well, uh, you know, we got to ski a lot this year and uh, I, my youngest was real tentative about stepping into it. And so he and I were up on the hill one day and he finally took on this one lift. Right. Uh, and I'm feeling pretty good on the day. And so I go hit this jump. Uh and then I land it, and I'm thinking I'm doing a pretty good thing here. But all of a sudden, there's another jump right where I landed. So I hit that one and just yard sailed across the uh, across the run. But here's my tentative son who's finally stepped into this run. And so I had to do everything in my power to stand up uh, and be like, it's all right, buddy. Let's keep going. You know, uh, couldn't let him see that one for sure. But are you all skiers too? 
I, I haven't skied in a while, but uh, I guess uh, I haven't skied in in uh, in or near Boise. Uh, but I've skied the the Colorado range, of course, and uh, I, I guess I liked Keystone the best. I liked Keystone because of the night skiing. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I did do a sledding run in the in the Swiss Alps one time and had a similar experience where uh, my last words that I remember were, "Hey kids, go on down that first hill and watch this." And uh, and so there was this there was this like natural mogul just right off to the to the edge of the of the run and and you know there aren't really many natural moguls there's usually something under it and so I hit that natural mogul and it was a stump. And it shot me straight up in the air, and I landed, twisted my knee. My sled goes off about 100 yards off to the side. And after I got my composure about me, I went on. I, I stepped off the run to go over and get my sled, and it was about neck deep. <laughs> it's like, forget it. They can get the sled in the spring. So. There you go. Yeah, we have Bogus is the hill right outside of Boise here, and they have night skiing. And when you get a sunset mm. up there, uh, there's nothing mm. better than a beautiful bet. sunset. I bet. How about you, Jeff, A? Eh? Yeah. So, so in my younger days, many years ago, I lived for five years in China and Wyoming and we were about three hours from anywhere you'd want to ski in the Colorado Rockies and, and skied some in, in, uh, in Wyoming as well. But my favorite one of all at that time was Steamboat Springs, just because it was a big mountain. You could get lost on, on some of the back uh, mountains and the town was right there and it was a lot of fun. And typically in those days, wasn't quite as crowded, but I like the night skiing at, at Keystone and, and even the, the top bowl stuff at Arapahoe Basin was mm. really good. So never really had a bad time doing it. You all were talking about wrecks and different things. It was icy on Keystone this particular day, which is rare for snow in the West. And I was cutting carbon all the way down, slowing back and forth and ended up losing the edge and was sliding and thought, well, this is no big deal. I'm not going to hit a tree. It's fine. The ski came off, traveled up the side of my leg, kind of dug into the side of my leg, kicked me back on my feet. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a bruise there. And, and so I'm standing there down at the bottom trying to retrieve my ski. And my wife skis down and she's like, hey, there's a pool of blood <laughs> next to you. And I looked down and my pants were cut open on the side. And that uh, it cut open a, a gash about three and a half inches long on my mm. left leg that had to get uh uh, ski patrol back to the lodge and stitched up so that was that was the story of how not to uh how, how not to crash so anyway yeah we we uh we chaperoned several youth ski trips uh out there and and so Lori and Lori my wife a, a former nurse I guess once a nurse always a nurse spent most of her time in the infirmary with with injured kids so well let's talk about uh ProSci let's talk about Tim your role at ProSci ProSci the organization tell us a little bit about the organization and and uh you've been there from pretty much the, the start right and and how it's kind of grown to where it is today yeah so ProSci uh we are our, our discipline is change management how do we help mm -hmm. organizations achieve the outcomes they expect in times of change by really bringing their people through those change efforts? Uh, so that's kind of the essence of why we do what we do. Uh, we deliver that through research, uh, training programs, advisory services. But in the end, it's how do we drive greater results and outcomes through our people? Because, you know, hate to rain on your parade, but a beautiful solution that people don't adopt and use creates no value to the organization. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the discipline of what we do. We were founded by an engineer who uh, was very curious and kept asking the question, why do some projects succeed and others don't? Uh, and it turns out closing the gap 
around people adopting and using the solution we concocted really is is uh, the biggest difference. So that's the firm uh, I joined 20 years ago. The firm's been around for about 26 years. In the last 20 years, I've led the innovation and really the thought leadership, the research and development side of building out a solution portfolio to equip our equip our clients to deliver better change uh, through their people. So, Very good. So tell us a little bit about the ProSci uh, kind of general methodology that you guys use. Very good. So change management is the name of the discipline. And uh, a lot of times it happens in projects. So we have a project, we design, develop, and deliver a technical solution. Uh, that happens all the time. A lot of times they're powered by technology. Uh, a lot of the innovation, you know, manifests itself in a change to how we do things at this organization. There's the technical side of that change, which organizations invest tons of time and energy and effort mm -hmm. and resources mm -hmm. into. And there's the people side of that change. What does it mean to Andy, Becky, Charlie, Debbie, Eddie, Franny, Jerry, Harry, Izzy? What does it mean to their day-to-day -day job and how they show up? And mm -hmm. so the methodology really is architected around first anchoring to what is this change trying to achieve? Uh, who has to do their job differently and how as a result? And then how do we equip, prepare, and support them to be successful in stepping into those new processes, new technologies, new systems, whatever the nuts and bolts of the technical solution is. So uh, when I uh, found out, you know, innovation, inherent in innovation is changes to how we operate as an organization, right? There's, I've yet to see an innovation project where the outcome is do everything the exact same way as we've always been doing it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's equipping our people to be successful in those individual journeys. So we teach the uh, change practitioner that sits on the project team. Then we'll go into organizations and really start to teach leaders how to be more effective sponsors of change, how to equip people managers to engage and support their people through change, uh, and then really how to help the whole organization grow change muscle. Um, because it really is the most important competitive advantage any of us can have is how quickly we can outchange market conditions, uh, competitors, global pandemics, hey, whatever, whatever we're getting thrown at us. I'm, I'm really glad to hear you talk about the three disciplines of innovation, leadership, and organizational transformation or organizational change. We like to talk about those three, but we find very few organizations who are, who are talking about the stringing together of those so that one then drives the other. And I, quite frankly, don't think you can talk about uh, innovation without talking about leadership. And I don't think you can talk about innovation and leadership without talking about the longer term uh, organizational change ramifications of that. Absolutely. And I, uh, first of all, are either of you Marvel fans? Yeah, Absolutely. somewhat. All right. Well, sure. we'll, we'll circle back to that. But uh, I got really inspired by the Medici effect, Franz Johansson's work around the mm -hmm. innovation and how the Renaissance was sparked in. Um, because people were in a shared physical proximity, right? You had a funding source that drew everyone to Florence. And so you had painters and sculptors and uh, musicians and poets all sitting around having dinner and drinking wine together. And it was the, the spark of those disciplines together that that's the heat of innovation is those disciplines bumping into each other. Hmm. And you see it happen in science too, right? Where you take something like aeronautics and material science, uh, and it feels like friction at first, but all of a sudden you get a spark of innovation that leads to a new airplane, you know, covering. And I think mm. you're right, Jeff, that it happens inside of businesses, that these disciplines that seem like they're independent, it's when they bump into each other that we get 
first uh, friction, but then that mm -hmm. spark that leads to innovation. So um, back to Marvel. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, do you remember the character that ben Benicio Del Toro plays? Mm -hmm. He lives on the planet Nowhere, uh, and wow. his name is The Collector. He collects mm -hmm. oddities from around the world, or around the universe, right? And Jeff, what I watch happen is organizations collect project management, collect innovation, collect strategic direction, collect knowledge management, collect change management as capabilities, but they haven't really figured out how to activate and mm -hmm. harness the power of that ecosystem, of those things mm -hmm. working together. Uh, and so, yeah, this idea of how do you activate and harness the power of an ecosystem uh, really, I think, is going to set the stage for organizations who want to be in the best position to, I hate the term future proof, because proof you do when you're trying to prevent something from happening, right? Mm -hmm. You weatherproof right. the tent so that it doesn't get weathered. The future is going to happen. You don't proof the future you get future ready uh mm -hmm. and getting innovation leadership change management projects ex execution uh that alignment is essential right no i think you're right yeah, yeah i mean it's, it's great great concept and, and, and the inevitability of what we see and, and, we, and we engage in in trying to move companies down innovation we work with startups and trying to move them down a path of scaling and growth one of the things you inevitably see is you've got leadership that's got a vision, they've got the right inclination, they're motivated. You may even have your your frontline folks, your low-level folks that are like, yeah, things have got to change, things have got to get better. Inevitably, there's this group in the middle that serves as a friction point. They're very resistant. They're in, and there may be informal leadership there and informal titles. They could be either influencers or saboteurs. Yeah. In good change management, how do you impact that group it's either get them out of the way or get them on the boat. Yeah, so I think um, getting them on the boat's the key, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. people managers, that middle section is probably the most critical and neglected ally uh, in times mm -hmm. of change. Do you remember when we used to take airplane flights? Um, I used to do it all the time <laughs> for work, right? Uh, uh, they get, they're going through the safety thing at the beginning, and they say, if the masks happen to fall out of the ceiling, what are you supposed to do? put it on yourself first before you try to help that person next to you right you put yours on yeah. first uh and i think jeff that's part of the problem uh, it's part of the problem and the solution to driving better organizational change with that critical middle um is to realize that they are both recipients and a and agents of change this change is going to impact them and we need them to help catalyze the change with others and too often we neglect that first one of helping them understand what the change means to them, helping them step out of their own current state into that transition and start to move towards that future state. Um, so ADCAR is probably more known than ProSci. It's our individual change model. It describes those five building blocks of a successful individual change. It starts with awareness of the need for change, uh, internalizing in the answers to why, why now, what if we don't, and why this instead of that. Uh, after awareness is desire to participate, the personal decision to get on board with this change. And we can't make people make the decision, but we can influence it with what's in it for me, the personal motivators, the organizational motivators. And so, Jeff, that middle group that we need to be such critical agents of change, we need to first help them through those first steps of their change journey, understanding why, why now, what if we don't, why this instead of that, and what's in it for me 
before we ask them to begin helping the folks um, that they influence or that they they manage directly. I love that. Um, you know, I believe it was Lewin that talked about unfreezing and then refreezing, right? And he talked about getting getting people okay with the change to unfreeze where we are today before we can start moving them in another direction. Absolutely, yeah. They, uh, and William Bridges gives us the ending, the neutral, and the new beginning, and and mm, he tells right. us about you know that the psychological risk of acknowledging that I need to change what's happening today, right? Uh, and yeah, Lewin gave us that notion of the unfreezing, how hard it is to undo how things are done today. I think a lot of this is interesting to put up against the backdrop of 2021, right? Um, because the narrative in organizations has changed quite a bit over the last 20 months, 18 months. Uh, you know, there's this phrase in the change management world. Let's see, it's an acronym, but I'd always, let me make sure I get it right. T-T-W-W-A-D-I. T-T-W-W-A-D-I. And it stands for, that's the way we always, we've always done it. That's the yeah. way we've always done it, right? It's a, just, a, it's baked into human beings. It's baked into organizations, but it's almost laughable as we sit here and look mm -hmm. at the past 16 months. And so I actually think organizations hopefully have the platform to step into trying out new things, to experimenting because um, we've done so many things that we thought were impossible uh, that we mm -hmm. just made happen. So yeah, stepping out and of how the- do you get how do you get so so part of that is you've got to accept the the understanding that you need to be agile and you need to be resilient yeah a lot of people are not comfortable with the chaos that that definitely uh comes with change and so how do you get them to feel like it's okay you, you, we can be more resilient you can be more agile and accepting that things are what, what are some of the things you've seen that have really worked yeah, I think, you know, I think resilience is both, a, there's a mindset and a tool set component here, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I, and we actually do this as a two by two with all kinds of different disciplines and capabilities and organizations. There's the mindset shift and the tool set shift that we have to make. Um, I think the mindset shift has really been amplified and supported by a lot of the work around growth mindset, you know, Dwyer's work um, helps us to shift and, and, and create that mindset. The tool set side around resilience, I think, is where we can continue to equip our, our people. Uh, even at ProSci, we actually brought a, a training program internal for all the employees in the organization from, uh, it was called the Human Performance Institute. Uh, it was really around energy management. You know, every single one of us wants more time. It turns out time is the one thing, <laughs> it's the one non-renewable resource we all have, right? Uh, it marches forward one second at a time, always. So if we can't get more time, we better manage the energy that we have. Uh, and so it goes into how do we expend and recover? You know, how do we have our physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental energies and how those four interact with one another? So I think equipping people to uh with that tool set uh and organizationally setting the mindset that uh changes the expectation um is 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 laying that foundation i do have a problem you, know, do I, uh, you guys you guys do math right mm -hmm. so Absolutely. change is a constant that's in this change you know it's part of the narrative right now but constants mean something to me because i have math and science in my background right um 
3.14159. That's pi. a constant. Yeah, there you go. Pi. And 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 power square power round. It's power cornbread round. or square. Cornbread square, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's a constant. Cornbread being square is a constant. 3.14159 is a constant. 10.022 times 10 to the 23rd is a constant. Uh, so the idea that change is constant, I think, blurs the reality. Change is cumulative. It's dependent. It's uh, simultaneous. Um, it's consistent. Uh, that That's the new world we're living in. But to say change is constant, I think, actually takes away from some of the humanity uh, of what change feels like in an organization. Because nothing about the last 18 months has felt constant. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, change uh, may well be more of a function of entropy than being constant. Mm -hmm. It's a march towards disorder and reorder yeah. in some yeah, respects. The pendulum. You know, right? one of the yeah. things I've seen back in my in my corporate days is that we're always anxious to change, and sometimes we don't do a good job of assessing why we're changing. And 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 one of the things we certainly focus on on the innovation side of the house is you know, what's the problem we're trying to solve? What's the challenge we're trying to overcome? What's the opportunity we're trying to seize? And does that warrant uh, a major change initiative? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, I love this question, right? What's the problem we're trying to solve? Um, I'll give you a couple of more pieces here. One of the phrases my team hears more than any internally is to what end? To mm. what end? Um, and they hear it all the time, whether it's about an email we're writing, a program we're developing, responding to a particular client request. Uh, because if we can anchor together on the to what end, we actually now are equipped to solve all kinds of problems. Um, and Peter Senge has a great quote, and it's too long, so I paraphrase it. Um, but his, my paraphrasing of the Senge quote is, empowerment without an alignment only amplifies the chaos. Hmm. Empowerment without alignment only amplifies the chaos. And Jeff, if we've not ruthlessly defined the problem we're trying to solve, we haven't created that sense of alignment that we need to, to solve mm -hmm. those problems. The other thing, and we did this, ProSci just re refreshed our core methodology and technology over the course of the last couple of years, really to elevate change success as really a centerpiece of because it's why we do change management is to drive change mm -hmm, success. Mm -hmm. So we have this change scorecard uh, that I took to a client a number of years ago. This was a big pharma in, in San Francisco. Um, the very first cell of the change scorecard is what are the results and outcomes we're trying to achieve from this change? Uh, they were two years, $25 million into the project. So I click into the cell and I say, tell me what to type in. What are the results and outcomes we're trying to achieve? <laughs> is this thing on, right? You guys are two years and $25 million into this project. What wow. are the results and outcomes you're trying to achieve? And um, I'm amazed and no longer surprised how often we invest time and energy without a clear articulation of success. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Somebody pulled me aside, though, and said, here's the deal, Tim. Someone somewhere at some point in time knew why we were doing this change. And so I think... There's both the capturing of the reason at the start of the innovation journey, but also realizing that people can suffer from vision fatigue when all we do is 
pound of the drum of what may be. Uh, we have to reground in what was it that caused us to make this change in the first place? What did we set out to achieve? What was the reason? What are the organizational benefits? And what are the project objectives? So yeah, anchoring to the to what end uh, is, is critical if we're going to drive successful change. So Tim, tell us where our listeners can get in contact with you, where they can find ProSci and, and, uh, and how to connect with you. Very good. So prosci.com is the best place to start. There are loads of free thought leadership articles, blogs. There's probably four days worth of recorded webinars. If you have four days, like seriously, 24 times four, kind of 96 hours worth. Uh, you also find information about the training programs and solutions that we deliver there. I'm going to be most active on LinkedIn, so you can track me down on LinkedIn. If uh, and that's where the bourbon-inspired stuff happens late in the evening, so sometimes that's even more fun than the uh, middle of the morning podcast as well. So, well, it's been been a great uh, time visiting with you today. We appreciate the work that you do, and if there's anything that Jeff A or I can ever do to help and support you, certainly feel free to give us a shout. Will do. And thank you all. And yeah, have a great, uh, great rest of uh, Blur Day, whatever. <laughs> it feels like every day is Blur Day. So now exactly. I wish people exactly. happy Blur Day. Happy Blur Day. That's right. Thanks for Thanks coming so on. much. Thanks all. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. Thanks for joining. Hey, folks, this is Jeff Amrine. We want to thank you for tuning in. We sincerely appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the Innovation Junkies podcast, please do us a huge favor. Click the subscribe button right now and please leave us a review. It would mean the world to both of us. And don't forget to share us on social media.